Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning. It's good to see you here today. Good to, to have you in our presence. Hold on a second. I want you to take your Bibles out um, and... Our scripture reading this morning was from Matthew chapter 1, and all of us on our slide, I want you to go to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to look at from together this morning, Luke chapter 2. Have you had a good week? Yes, I hope you have had a good week. It's it's been a fairly uh, good week uh, at the Ballantine house. I know that there is a, a busy week ahead. I know many of you uh, over the next week, next couple of weeks, have have a busy week ahead of you as you get together with family, uh, as you travel from, from one place to the next. Uh, we were supposed to be in uh, Middle Tennessee, up, in, up on the Cumberland Plateau this weekend, um, but those plans had to be changed last minute due to uh, COVID, and, and although... Uh, that particular challenge is not what it was this time last year. Uh, that is still a challenge for, for many of us and, uh, and, and planning and different things. And, and so we, we ended up staying home this weekend, which, which was fine. Uh, but I know many of you have plans to be gone this week. And I hope that you enjoy your time with, with your family and your loved ones. I hope that you uh, enjoy that very much. And, and, and just, just have a good time. Let's, uh, let's pray together, and then we're going to spend some time in the Word of God. God, we thank you so much for being with us and just um, loving us the way that you do. We thank you for uh, your grace and your mercy. Uh, we thank you for Jesus, God. We, we thank you for his life. We thank you for his birth, his death, his resurrection. We thank you for his sacrifice. There is just nothing about Jesus that we cannot say thank you for and help us to realize that, God. God, I thank you for the chance to open up your word this morning, and I pray uh, that it touches our lives, that it touches our hearts, uh, that it convicts us, and that it changes us, God. In your son's name we pray, amen. So um, last Sunday night, I think it was. Ron, did you lead prayer last Sunday night at the Youth Devotional? Or was it, it was last Sunday night. Um, I couldn't remember if it was Sunday morning or Sunday night. But, but Ron prayed last Sunday night. And, and as he prayed, he, he, um, he, he made a statement that has stuck with me all week. And in that statement, he said, we thank you for Jesus and his birth because without his birth, he could have never died. And, and that really just, uh, that, that stuck with me all week because this, uh, we talked about this in class this morning, and I've had this conversation with Jonathan this week. I had it with Wiley a little bit on Monday and different people throughout the week. And in the churches of Christ, we have an interesting relationship with Christmas. 
and, and, and it's challenging at times. And some of you are grinning because you know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we struggle with Christmas because, um, and, and we're going to see a little bit of it this morning, as we read the birth of Jesus, the story of the birth of Jesus, the, the, the scriptural story of the birth of Jesus, and kind of the traditional story that is in our children's books and uh, shown during plays and stuff this time of year and, and different things, there's, there's a lot of difference. The, 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 the traditional kind of story of the birth of Jesus has a lot of things in it that, that just the biblical story doesn't have. Um, we, we, we shy away from that sometimes because we don't want to be seen as, as not being truthful to the Word of God. Um, we, we truly believe that, that we are to remember the death, burial, and resurrection on a weekly basis. And, and one of the things that I've heard growing up is, you know, well, we're commanded to do that, not to worship the birth of Jesus. And, and I agree with that. I agree with that. We don't want anybody to think that we're worshiping something that we, that, that's not commanded in Scripture. And, and I totally get that. Um, but, but I struggle with that kind of on the inside a little bit with, with the way that we've, we've maybe accidentally shunned the birth of Jesus, that we make it all about the death of Jesus. But as Ron said in his prayer, without his birth, there could not have been a death. And that we should that the, the story of Jesus from beginning to end is is an amazing story and an important story. One of the things that Wiley and I talked about, um, and some of the some of the, or some of the songs that we were based on um, that we sung this morning is, but prior to the death of Jesus, the birth of Jesus was the most amazing thing that had ever happened in the history of man. The most amazing thing. To the point, and we'll see this in our story, where thousands of angels show up and praise God in thanks for the birth of Jesus. And, and I got to thinking about kind of my own thoughts and my own feelings about it. And, and, I, and I wanted to just take time this morning and, and just say, you know what? There's some things that we can learn from the birth of Jesus that are powerful and important. And this should be a part of his life that we know and that we're familiar with. And as we talked about in class, it should not be something that is limited to six weeks out of the year or, or some of you celebrate Christmas like five months out of the year, like once summer's over, you start putting your Christmas decorations up, and that's fine if that's what you want to do. Um, but it, it, it's so important for us, I think, and maybe this is something that I need to work on, is to incorporate the whole life of Jesus into my life and into my teaching and into my preaching and not feeling like it only fits in one time of year and even in that time of year, not being afraid of acknowledging that this is a wonderful thing in his life. So that being said, we're going to read this story this morning, and there are some amazing, there's some powerful stuff from Luke chapter 2, and then we're just going to draw some, some thoughts out from it that, that don't necessarily just apply or that we don't just get from Jesus. We get from Scripture as an entirety, but we see some of these things in his, in his birth. So it says, In those days, Caesar Augusta issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, uh, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, this, this, this to me, this is my favorite part of the story, okay? Suddenly, a great company, or some of your Bibles say a host, of, hev- uh, um, of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. Some, some scholars say that there could have been anywhere between um, 10 to 100,000 angels that showed up in that moment. And, and that, just, that just, just gives me chills thinking about it. Uh, when the angels had left and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On uh, the eighth day, when it came time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. What an amazing and great introduction to Jesus and the life that he's going to live, just the amount of, of glory that is surrounding this story. And, and, I, and I want us to just take some time and just kind of pull some things out here this morning and, and talk about some things, because as I read this story, and, and this is kind of in the traditional story too, but, but you can get some of this through, through, through this, this biblical perspective, is that Things surrounding Jesus' birth, they weren't necessarily completely as maybe they were planned. From the very beginning of this story, there is challenge, okay, from a human perspective. God sends an angel and tells Mary and Joseph kind of separately that she is going to be a child. And in this moment when Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, boy, he's upset, isn't he? He's upset before he talks to the angel, and and understandably so, okay, understandably so to the point that he is going to quietly kind of put her away and going to end this relationship that's coming coming towards their marriage. And then the angel comes and says, hey, look, there's some things going on here that you're not aware of, and and let me clue you in. Let, let, Let me tell you what's going on here. And he shares with him God's plan. But even from the very beginning, there is there is this human nature kind of challenge to understanding God's bigger picture. 
And to me, that's one of the greatest things that I pull from the story of Jesus, that there had to be so much that went on from the moment that Mary and Joseph were said, this is what's going to happen, to, to following the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, that, that Mary and Joseph had to kind of let go of their own desires, their own wants, their own plans, and they had to say, I'm trusting in God. I'm trusting in God. And isn't that really what the life of Jesus with us is about? Is about trust. Is about looking at our Savior and saying, I trust that you know what's best for me. I trust that your plan is better than my plan. I trust that you're in control. And, and from the very beginning, this story is about trust. Do I trust God's plan or do I do things my way? And, and, and luckily and fortunately and, and, and amazingly, Mary and Joseph say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to trust God. You know, sometimes the moment, it, it's easy to trust God when things are going great, aren't they? It's easy to trust God when God's plans and your plans coincide with each other ever thought about that? That it's easy to trust God when my plans and God's plans coincide with each other. It's when my plans say, I want to be over here in this direction. God goes, no, 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 no. I want you to go over here and do this. And it's out of my comfort zone. It's not what I was thinking, not what I was planning. It's in that moment that we have to say, okay, God, I'm not sure, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to allow you to guide me. So, so in, in that kind of idea, I want us to think about some things that we can learn from this story and from Scripture in general. The first is this. Keep pressing on when the road is hard. Keep pressing on when the road is hard. Now, we have had four children. We have gone through, um, we have gone through these pregnancies together, Blair and I have, and there is... <clears throat> There is not, the first round with Collins was all new. It was all new, all brand new. Um, the, the last round with London, I was an old pro. You know, like nothing at the doctor surprised me. I can read an ultrasound just as well as an ultrasound tech at this point. Like the first round, I was like, what is this blob on this TV screen? And then finally, you know, I got to where I can, I, I can read ultrasounds just as well as anybody at this point. You know, there, there's a lot of things that we were expecting. And we had this childbirthing class that we went to at the very beginning. And, and I was I loved childbirthing class. And Blair's like, that's because you're not birthing the child. And there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but uh, we had this amazing nurse that, uh, that taught their class. Her nephews were in my youth group at, uh, at Central. And so we knew their family. And she ended up being our labor and, labor and delivery nurse as well. Uh, but in this class, she made this comment. She said, um, sit down and develop a birthing plan, okay? And then be ready to get to the hospital and throw that plan away. And, and that was such a true statement and such a, 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 a realness in, in that process. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes everything goes great. Sometimes we go through moments in life where there's challenges after challenge after challenge. And I think about, uh, I think about uh, this, this story. And how during the middle of this pregnancy, you know, they're preparing for the birth of Jesus. And then in the middle of this pregnancy, the, the, the government comes in and they say, hey, we want to do this census and we want to count everybody that's, that's, that's in, 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 in the empire. 
We're going to do this, okay? And so now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, Joseph and Mary, who were preparing to start their family in this town, now all of a sudden have to get up and leave everything that they were planning on doing and, and switch directions and go somewhere else and, and, and get there. And, and I mean, the scripture doesn't say how long they were there, but it does say that as they were there, you know, this, uh, it's, it's fun visiting family. Is, how many of you enjoy visiting family? How many of you enjoy visiting family for like two days? But after about four days, five days, if you've gone on a trip, you're ready to what? Why are you you're ready to come home, aren't you? Why are you ready to come home? Because nobody's bed for the most part. Now, I've got a friend that their bed sleeps a lot better than our bed, and, and I, could go, I could just take that bed. But you want to be in your house with your stuff, not living out of a suitcase, not, not feeling that you're in true, you know, you, you like your space. Now, throw into the middle of all of that, you've got to travel, all right, from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 90 miles. Um, it, was, it was not, 90 miles to us is not that big of a deal because of the easiness of travel. Travel was different. It was difficult. This woman was pregnant, and then she gets there, and while they're there, she has this child. It wasn't how it was supposed to be. It wasn't the way it was planned. And there are times in our life where we're going to face challenges and things are not going to go as planned. And the easiest thing to do when things don't go as planned, when we face challenges, is to give up. It's to give up, to quit trying. What I want you to think about is this first statement that we keep pressing on when the road is hard. When things are difficult, we keep going. In, in the story of David, and I love this in David's nature, but in the story of David, their child that he and Bathsheba had, the, the punishment to David for that situation was you're going to lose your child. He's not going to live. And David spends a period of time, it doesn't say how long, but he spends a period of time um, mourning in prayer, I guess you could say, praying that God would, would let this child live. And his servant comes to him and says, David, your child is, has, has passed. And, and the story says that David gets up and he gets dressed and he gets ready to eat. And the servant's confused. He goes, why? Why when... When the child was alive, you, you spent all this time here, but now that he's gone, you're, you're going to get up and go about your life. And this is what he said. He goes, nothing I can do now is going to bring him back. Nothing I can do now is going to bring him back. And there are times in our life where we face challenging moments where, yes, some of the times that what we can do can change things, but then there's also times where what we do is not going to make a difference. We just have to keep moving forward. We have to keep pressing ahead. We have to keep moving on. Now, now maybe not forgetting those things, but, but realizing that God will bless us as we keep moving. And, and, and that's an important thing. You know, hard times in our life, hard roads that we face come in a variety of different ways. You know, the doctor called, and it's not good news. We, we've tried everything, um, but nothing that we can do is working uh, we just don't have a place for you in our business anymore. Different statements that many people have heard that are challenging. And in those moments, understand that we need to keep pressing on. We need to keep moving forward, even though it's challenging. I want you to, to, to put your marker there in Luke and then turn 
to Psalms, to the book of Psalms. And it starts in Psalms 10. I'm going to read some, some verses to you from Psalms 10, 11, and 13. So Psalms chapter 10 uh, starting in verse 1, or just in verse 1, it says, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Go to chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord, in the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird um, to your mountain? Then go to chapter 13. And look at starting at verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day and day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. David was familiar with challenges. And you read those words and it's funny to me because that's the same, that's the same David that in chapter 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But David knew, I just gotta keep going. I'm going to face challenging times. But... As I face challenging times, it never changes the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. And he's going to take care of me and he's going to be there for me. So keep pressing on when the road is hard. The second idea is God always provides. God always provides. As you think about the challenges to the story, and as I keep pressing on in my life, Scripture tells us over and over again that no matter what goes on, God is always there. No matter what goes on, God is always there. God's going to take care of me. God's going to make sure that I'm provided for. God's going to, um, going to see that I have what I need. He's going to comfort me when I need comfort. He's going to bless me when I need to be blessed. Um, and, and so God will always provide. And, and as you read this story, as you read this story from Luke chapter 2, you can see that there are some differences between uh, between. Uh, the traditional story of Jesus and the biblical story of Jesus. There's, there's no mention anywhere in the scripture of, of barn animals or being born in a barn or, or being born in anything like that. Um, the, the, the overall kind of uh, idea of no room at the end comes from, you know, from the King James translation. Uh, but as you heard when I read, maybe a more accurate idea is, is that um, the inn is more of like a guest room type thing, that there was no room um, in, in the guest house. So they had to rearrange and, and maybe stay somewhere they weren't planning. And uh, there, 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 there's some differences. But to me, the overall arching in both of those kind of stories is the same, is that no matter what happened, God provides. God takes care of the situation. He made sure that the birth of his, of his son was taken care of, and the same thing happens for us as well, that God is always going to provide. And these are some ways in which he provides, because this all kind of runs together, is that God never leaves us alone. God never leaves us alone. Um, in this story, in this story, so, so there's, there's this, these shepherds out and about, and, and they are they are kind of doing their thing. They're living out there, and the angels come, and that's a powerful thing. But where do they go? They go to see Jesus. They go to see Jesus. And, and God gives this moment, and what I think is, is this moment of worship and praise before even the Son of God. Um, but I can't help but think about this idea that they're, they're having this child in a strange place, where they weren't planning, and then what does God do? God sends people to love them. 
and to be with them. Even though I think they were with people, I, I do. But God sends people to love them and be with them. And one of the coolest things that I, that I know that I've experienced in my walk with God and that I know many of you have experienced is that God has always made sure to put the people in my life that I need. To put the people in my life that I need. And I can go back and look and tell you stories, but in every stop along the way, at the different congregations that we've worked with and been with, that depending on what we're going through in life, God has always put the perfect people in that place for us. I know when we moved to Arkansas, when we moved to Arkansas, there was this... Um, there was this time that we were, you know, we had one child, we were going to have another one. Uh, when we, we had another one when we got there uh, a little bit later on, but we had Vance while we were there. But we had moved away from our family. We had moved away from, from where we grew up and moved away from everything familiar. We're in this strange kind of new place. And, and, and we had not just been married um, just too awful long. We've been married for about a, um, a year and a half or so. Uh, so we're still learning, you know, marriage. Plus we've had our daughter and she's six months old. And when we, when we, like there's, there's still so much new in our life. And when we get there, God gives us this amazing family, these two amazing families, uh, the Smith family and the West family. And, and they are just amazing people. And to this day, we are extremely close to them. And they helped us kind of learn what it means to be a family. They were our parents and grandparents while we were in this place. And I think that's the amazing nature of the family of God, of the family of God. As you, as you read through the book of Acts, one of the things that is noticeable to me about the book of Acts is how many moments, especially in the first few chapters, how many moments it talks about everybody being together being together. They're praying together. They're eating together. They're worshiping together. They're always together. God's provided a family. And, and that's, that's something that I think is so important for us to understand, is that no matter where we are in life, even when we feel alone, when we feel isolated, we feel by ourselves, God says, I've given you this amazing family to be with. I've given you this amazing family to encourage you. The Hebrew writer says that. He says, don't give up being with each other. Be together because there's a purpose to this. It's to encourage, it's to love, it's to spur one another along, it's to help us grow and be closer to God in the process. And then you take it a step further. Jesus, as he's leaving, he's looking at his apostles, and they're all upset that he's leaving. And I would have been too, but he says, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. He says, I'm going to send you who? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that was with them is still with us today. God always is with us. He never leaves us alone. And that's such a powerful thing to remember. And I think maybe the last thing that I see in this story that, that I just love is that in the midst of chaos, Jesus brings peace. In the midst of chaos, Jesus brings peace. So, this is, I guess you could say commentary. This is just Matthew trying to make sense of this story a little bit. So Mary and Joseph are, um, they're 
with friends or they're with family of some sort, probably in, in Bethlehem where they've all gathered back together. Um, it's, it would be very similar to many of your Christmases where all your family are, is together. And, and there's a lot of, when family's together, there's, there's a lot of chaos and uh, there, there's a lot of things that aren't normal and as in like your routines are off. And, and so, and then they've had this baby during the middle of this and, and everything is just kind of up in the air. And, you know, eventually they've got to go back home and now they've got to go back home with this new baby, and, and, and the shepherds are coming in, and they're coming out, and people, but look at verse 19. Look at verse 19, and, and I get this as a dad, but I think moms are different as well, because it says Mary did this, but not Joseph, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, but I love that phrase, Mary treasured up all these things, and I, I tell new parents this, because I've experienced it, and I know many of you have as, with, as parents as well, but nothing makes a day better than your children, especially when they're little. When I walk in, my, my big two aren't this way as much anymore, but my little two, I mean, when I walk in the door from work, they are so excited to see me. Like, run and give me a hug, and, and, and it's just, and, and they're going to grow out of that. I know they are. But what my big two do that my little two don't, um, every night, regardless of, of how the day's been or if anybody's been in trouble, every night, both Collins and Vance come to our bedroom or wherever we are, and before they go to bed, they give both of us a hug, and they say, I love you, good night. And, and that's such small words such a power that no matter how bad the day's been, the excitement of my kids seeing me, the, the, the affection of, of I love you and good night, it just brings peace no matter what's going on. And Jesus comes to bring peace. There's, there's some passages throughout all of Scripture that are so powerful in this way. One, I think, is no more powerful than 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself, and that's Jesus. He is the Lord of peace. Give you peace at all times and in every way. And when we have that, when we have that Savior, things, passages like Philippians 4 and verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares about you. Those, those passages of, those passages of live at peace, don't be anxious, don't worry, they become, you become capable of living that way when you have a relationship with the Prince of Peace with Jesus, because what Jesus does is in the middle of chaos, in the middle of upheaval, Jesus has the ability to come into your life and bring peace, because he gives you something to focus on. He gives you something to walk toward. He gives you a direction. You see, so many times in chaos, what we focus on is the chaos, but if we focus on Jesus, he gives us something to ground ourselves in and to live in. Ephesians 2 and verse 17 says, and he came to preach peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. This is an interesting time of year. 
an interesting time of year. But one of the things I love about this time of year is, is let's, let's, we all understand this. We live in a culture and a society and an environment right now where everybody gets offended about everything. We've talked about that. If something happens to you and you're not offended, there's a group of people that'll be offended for you. You don't have to be offended because they're going to be offended for you. People get offended by Christianity. They get offended by the message of Jesus, the message of the cross. They get offended by those things. But this time of year, this time of year, for whatever reason, people open up their hearts to the birth of Jesus. You turn on the radio station and there's Christmas music. And a lot of those songs are songs about the birth of Jesus. And it's not just in your car. You walk into the grocery stores, to the, to the Walmarts, to the malls, to all these different places, and, and Christmas music is playing. And there's songs about the birth of Jesus. And believe it or not, for whatever reason, and I'm grateful for it, people aren't offended. It doesn't bother them. They're used to it. And what I've tried to do in my life, instead of running from the birth of Jesus, I'm working on this. This time of year, what if we opened up our hearts to the opportunity of people being open and receptive and not offended and share with them the amazingness of Jesus' life? And maybe the entrance to that is his birth. And through his birth, we can lead them to the cross. And we can lead them to a moment of salvation where they receive the Spirit of God through their baptism and an assurance that this world doesn't control them anymore, that sin no longer controls them anymore, but rather the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's go to God in prayer as we close. God, we thank you for this moment in this time, in this chance, just open up your word and to talk and to study and to consider important things of, of you. We thank you for your willingness to send your son. That that had to be a difficult decision to know that his life was going to end in pain and rejection and so just, just, it was just going to end in a terrible way. The, the outcome was amazing, but the death of Jesus was difficult. And God, we thank you for the story of his birth and the amazingness that surrounds it and the glory that surrounds it and the worship that surrounds it. And God, help us to just love the entire story of Jesus and to be willing to share the entire story of Jesus in the effort to lead people to you. God, we pray for those in this room that know Jesus but have not accepted him. They've not come to him and say it's all about you. It's about your desires and your wants. And God, I know that that can be a difficult decision because it's so hard to give up. What well, makes us happy, the things that we want to do, the way that we want to live. But be with those, God, that have not had their sins washed away, that have not decided to walk in a new life with you. Help them to make that decision uh, so that they don't miss out on eternity with you. God, we come to you with grateful hearts as Wednesday night Grayson decided to make that decision and to become a Christian and to be baptized and have his sins washed away. Help us to rejoice in that, God, today. Help us... Um, to, to welcome him today in an amazing way into your family. 
Uh, be with us who have made that decision and maybe struggle with things from time to time, who are maybe finding ourselves like the prodigal this morning and walking away instead of walking toward. Help us to come back home and to enjoy the family of God once again. Just be with us and bless us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.